the Eighth Circuit Network. We make things. Put them in your brain. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to yet another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, this is your host, Peter. And as sometimes, this is your host, Kyle. (laughs) When I'm not Kyle, I go by DJ Funky Thunder. That's true. Anyways, for this episode, we thought it would be fun because we try to talk about as, about funk as little as possible. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we thought it would be fun to do an episode on the genres of um, what's called trip-hop and new jazz, which is basically a genre that's been around since the late 90s that kind of makes elements of jazz, soul, hip-hop, electronica. More specifically, new jazz of the two genres. New jazz was coined in the late 90s and is kind of a mixing of electronic and jazz. And is also referred to as like jazztronica, which sounds kind of dumb. And then trip hop is a different genre in, in the fact that it's more down tempo electronic music that originated a bit earlier in the early '90s in the UK, and it was kind of evolved out of that whole acid jazz theme that came out of the UK with those guys like Brand New Heavies and Incognito and stuff. And Jamiroquai. Thank you. And they're a little bit more experimental with their sound, but they also kind of have a, a backdrop in soul and funk and jazz. But think of trip-hop as the sadder version of new jazz. Mm. New jazz is like upbeat jazz, trip-hop is like low-beat jazz. And it's a little bit more hip hoppy. Yeah, exactly. Because hence the hop and trip. Sometimes, just to explain why we're going to be talking about these things today, because sometimes people wonder, why are you talking about genres like this on a funk show? Well, sometimes we like to either talk about different genres that either led up to soul and funk as we did with um jazz well yeah there was the jazz and then there was also the uh, oh the doo-wop the doo-wop one we did that as well uh, but also sometimes we want to take a little bit of time to talk about ones that some have some similarity to the music that we regularly talk about but something a little bit different that we think is cool that we want to share with you yeah i would like to say that both peter and i are very musically eclectic and we always <laughs> like to explore genres outside of the normality of funk and soul, just because it's cool to see how many different genres it touches, and then maybe our listeners, you guys, will go out and listen to these other genres. Music is a very big web in that everything connects to each other. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. That would be a really cool like project. I'm sure people have done it, but I don't know if anyone's ever done it completely. Where you map music. Exactly. Like a genealogy of music, sort of, but like in a graphic way where it shows how all the different genres blend together in sort of like Venn diagram type thing for all time. Go back to like colonial era songs and then like Ring Around the Rosie, which was about the bubonic plague. What? You didn't know that? I've never heard that. The song Ring Around the Rosie, Ashes, Ashes, I'll Fall Down was a children's theme uh, that came out of the bubonic plague because everybody died. Wow, that's really sad. (laughs) Really, if you like, actually go into it and like realize where a lot of these children rhymes, nursery rhymes come from, it's pretty, it's pretty disturbing. Hmm. Most of them come out of Germany, which is a pretty messed up place, as far as storytelling. <laughs> well, that's as far as storytelling, not okay. All right, not commenting on their entirety of their right. culture. Okay. <laughs> Let's go into our first artist, RJD2, which we actually talked about way back when in this show. Oh, because we talked, that's not when we talked, we talked about electronic music at least once. Yeah, and we mentioned him, so the song we want to talk about this time is actually off of one of his more current albums called Colossus, and the song is Tin Flower. The album came out in 2010. For those of you that don't know, RGD2 is a, is a DJ, uh, I think he's from Portland. Well, he was born in Oregon, and then he grew up in Ohio, and now he lives in Philly. Well, there you go. And he's been releasing his own music since 2002 with his debut album, Dead Ringer, which I think we played a song from that album. Yeah. I want to say it's his most famous album, but I don't know. Yeah. 
I don't know for sure either, but I, I know that was definitely his breakout album, and usually yeah. your breakout album is your most famous. But this new album that he did, this 2010 album, Colossus, is a little bit different sounding, a little bit more, I don't know how to describe it, like funk slash rock. But this particular song we thought reflected his prior uh, sound a little bit better than some of the other ones we found on the album. Mm-hmm. So let's listen to a little clip of Tin Flower by RJD2. Like you said, it's a good example. It kind of sounds a little bit like his old stuff. Mm-hmm. I think one of the more important ways that he's changed between then and now with this with this new album was that um, he does a lot more singing on his own tracks now. He does a lot of his own music instead of now. Does he? Sorry, does stuff. he get artists to do that for him, or is that him to do the singing? Yeah, no, that's him singing. In this well, album, good for him. Which that's is a good boy because he did. He didn't most of his stuff. And the old albums was just instrumental, but then I guess he apparently started doing that with this one. So I can dig it. Got, I didn't know there was him. That's, he's got a good voice. I'm impressed. Yeah. All right, so we're just going to move along here then. Uh, so he was RGT2. He's more of like electronic, trip-hop, down-tempo type music. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty cool. Uh, this next one is a little bit different. It's kind of in the opposite direction. It's more of a jazz-oriented, modern, funk, new jazz band called Club Des Belugas. So they're from Germany, and... They're considered one of the, like, the leading European new jazz projects, which is pretty cool. They combine a lot of uh, contemporary European lounge and new jazz styles. And like each of their songs is a little bit different. It's kind of cool in that way. A lot of them are like swing-oriented, and a lot of them have elements of like soul or funk in them from like the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And it's a really cool, just unique blend of a lot of different things. The, the first song, I think you actually introduced this song to me, Kyle, a, number, a couple of years ago. Yay for me. But the song is called What is Jazz? And this is from their 2008 album called Swap. This song is actually really fun because it's, like I was saying before, it's kind of a mix of like the swing jazz with funk. And it's really upbeat and it's really fun. Now, this album actually has two versions of the song. There's the original and then there's the remix version, which I was introduced to first. I might actually go ahead and play that version. It's a little bit more um, up-tempo. But there's, they're both really good. So let's go ahead and listen to the remix version of What is Jazz by Club Disbelievers. Listen to the jazz player rock. Listen to the jazz player swing. Listen to the jazz player Now you have to swing it. bands that's actually not their most recent album their most recent album came out the year later in 2009 and that was called zoo zizaro they have a lot of funny <laughs> names for their albums yeah it's funny ever since you got me turned back onto um pretty lights i kind right. of dove headfirst into the sort of jazz tronic scene of music and like i've been building like a playlist of my own through spotify and i have like almost 200 songs now and it's ridiculous <laughs> Hmm. It's a really fun genre because I like jazz and I like electronic music and it's an awesome fusing of the two. It's a really cool mix. You know, yeah, you listen you listen to enough straight jazz and then, you know, you got to grab like a thing of scotch and a pipe and sit in a big easy chair. But if you want something like upbeat that doesn't make you fall asleep after a while, then you got to go with the jazz tronic. Yeah. Uh, next up, 
we want to talk about is a group called the Jazz Liberators. They're kind of a hip-hop, rap, jazz fusion mix, and an artist we talked about a few times, actually, Aloe Black. It was one of his um, associated acts before he went off and did his uh, solo career. And yeah, he's he's like a modern soul singer, I guess. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what he's done lately. And Well, he had that 2009 album, right? Yeah, I, he had that one album. And then, what else has he done since then? I don't think he's done much. Oh no, that I'm sorry, that album came out in 2010. Good things, but he's he's a really cool guy as well. So I don't think he's released anything new since that album, but doesn't look like it. He's mostly soul and R&B. Yeah. But he has a lot of roots in uh, hip hop and rap, which is kind of an interesting thing for a guy like that. He was part of a few different hip hop groups, I believe, but uh, one of them was this group, the Sound Providers, who are more of like a hip hop slash jazz group. I can take it. Uh, he's from around here too, isn't he? Yeah, he's from Orange County, California. I could, which is pretty cool. You don't get a whole lot from here, surprisingly. Sadly, yeah. Let's just listen to a little clip of Blue Avenue by the Jazz Liberators. was um, instrumental but most of their stuff is like actual rapping uh, and I believe I believe he has at least some vocal involvement in that yeah jazz liberator is pretty cool check him out another artist that I wanted to talk about is Amon Tabin he's a pretty big electronic sort of jazz artist probably one of the most famous ones I think out there right now even though I think he completely changed up his style recently anyways oh yeah uh yeah Amon Tabin he's a he's a, a like electronic sort of jazz slash drum and bass kind of artist and he's been doing music since like the early 2000s he has this weird fusion of like hip-hop and jazz into this weird like amalgamation of trip-hop and drum and bass which is kind of two almost like different uh completely different ends of the spectrum as far as electronic music goes mm. but um he's a native of brazil who moved to the uk in the late 80s that sort of music scene in the late 80s kind of really influenced him both that was when drum and bass was first starting and also mm-hmm. that sort of electro funk oh yeah right he reached his popular pinnacle actually when he, he actually did the soundtrack to the sort of famous video game splinter cell 3 the Splinter Cell franchise was a pretty famous franchise in the early so he, 2000s. You did the entire soundtrack for that game? Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's funny because um, a friend of mine who was like a huge fan of his uh, turned me on to this article where he was interviewed and he was talking about just electronic music and uh, dubstep because that's like a big genre that's exploding right now. Mm-hmm. And he's basically just like, the problem with a lot of electronic genres and just genres in general is these terms that come to define the genres aren't made up by the artists. They're made up by uh, journalists that mm. look for ways to describe this music that they're hearing. And, so, and, ve- and very often they misrepresent what genre these different artists like, and things like dubstep uh, fall into, which usually leads to arguing of fans of, oh, this isn't dubstep, this is drum and bass, or this is, is trip-hop. So he's like, I don't have a problem with it, it's just, it seems like everything... It's just, they're just naming everything that when they should be more exactly. split up in exactly. different terms. And even, even his own genre, he's been classified as so many different things, he's just like, I don't care what people call my music as long as they like it. Yeah. Well, that's what I've found, too, in these genres, but also just other ones. The groups that are the hardest to pin down in terms of like what genre they are, because they can be considered so many different things, I think those are oftentimes the best ones. 
Yeah, definitely. They don't limit themselves to just one style. They experiment. They explore and they experiment and they mix things together in ways that people haven't really done before. So that's always fun. Mm-hmm. A, uh, a piece that I want to play by Amontaman that I think represents him well and also is one of the songs that fits into our sort of trip-hop category, even though it's a little bit drum and bassy, mm-hmm. is his song Slowly, which is off of his 2000 album Super Modified, which I think was like his second album. Mm-hmm. Definitely one of his breakout albums. Let's listen to a little clip of Slowly by Amon Tibet. hip-hop jazz type artists there's one i actually discovered this last summer called proletaire and he's an abstract hip-hop artist from france and how i found him was that i was looking on freemusicarchive.com i was trying to find music that i could use for my android game that i could use that was royalty free i guess and it was free for me to use so my original intention for the for the game music was for it to be something that sounded a little bit more like a classic funk type of jam. And I looked for a while for someone to make original music for the game, and no one I talked to was really able to do that kind of style. Mm. Uh, I guess it's not that popular. <laughs> that, that guy kind of goes without saying. You should uh, you should contact the guy, the Pretty Lights guy. He, he gives all of his music away for free. That's true. That would be amazing. I would like. That would be cool. Crap my pants with joy. God. But anyway, because then I ended up looking um, on this website that had free music, and I ended up finding this, and it was not the type of music that I was looking for, but it ended up being something that I actually liked better, because it was sort of unique in a way. Uh, this song was called Back Home. This album especially has a lot of different tracks that sound in that same kind of style, which is pretty cool. But Back Home especially I liked, so I ended up editing that down for my game, so that's part of that. Should we go ahead and listen to a clip of Back Home? I think we should go ahead and download your free game, so... That too. <laughs> I, I feel so bad I have an iPhone, so I can't play it. I can play well, that's, it. I think that's why it never really went anywhere. The guy I worked with could only do it for Android right now, and a lot of people don't have Androids. Pretty much everyone has an iPhone. Hey, no, 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 that's not true. I saw a statistic somewhere that Android has now breached its 40% of the market, whereas iPhone is only 35%. <laughs> it makes sense, considering iPhone is just Apple, whereas Android is just everybody else. Exactly. And, and then there's the Windows 8, which... Or Windows, I guess it's now... Oh, that Windows phone, yeah. Those aren't going over very well. Pretty much anything that Windows does never goes over well. <laughs> Touche. Let's go ahead and listen to a clip of the song Back Home by Proletaire. As you see, we like this music so much, or at least Peter, uh, he was doing his game. Yeah. So, I used Amon Tabin, as a side note, I used Amon Tabin in like two of my reels on my site. For your like portfolio reel thing? Yeah, that's because cool. it's, got a, it's got a good slow tempo, which I needed. Mm-hmm. Isn't it true that you're not supposed to use music on your reel? I mean, like I don't know why you wouldn't, because I would if I made one, but like I don't 
I've heard it go back and forth. I've heard that like some they they don't like music or some do. I mean, I, I personally I think it accentuates your uh, stuff. I mean, if you're just especially depending on what you're trying to show in a reel, unless the things themselves have their own sound, why would you just want to stare at a video of something of some artistic thing and then just have nothing but the visual? I think of it? probably the overall consensus is don't use music because so many people will just pick a song they like not necessarily a song that works well with displaying artwork in a reel like that because i think the one you chose because i think i think i watched it the song you chose fit really well and it was nice and subtle i guess uh yeah exactly like you said it it accentuates you rather than distracting from it now i've at least i've heard don't ever use music with words which i think i accidentally did oh you did yeah i wouldn't do that but But i don't i honestly i don't see a problem with using instrumental music unless it's like completely like detracting from the visual as long as the the focus is on what you're looking at yeah yeah exactly and i've seen some really good ones where people actually have the their pieces timed to the beat or whatever of the music and i think that works really well well that shows another dimension of creativity as well exactly like video editing (laughs) but yeah anyway (laughs) pretty cool okay so um another artist that i want to mention here really quick is the artist blackhead he's not super famous but uh he's an electronic artist uh that's been around for like the last half of this uh i guess this last decade I don't know why I still want to associate these last three years with like twenty aughts or whatever the hell you want. Oh, yeah. Instead of realizing, I'm like, oh, we're in a second decade now. Yeah, it feels weird because I keep thinking if someone says ten years ago, I think, oh, like the '90s, but then that's that's exactly not, not the case anymore. It's strange. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, similar to these other artists, he's like a new jazz electronic-y sort of dude. Getting down to the nitty gritty, the reason I actually chose the music scene is the one reason I, I wish we could have like a video thing just for like these kinds of occasions because the music video for this song the music scene is like the craziest music video i've seen in a very long time mm. it's hand-drawn 2d animation but it's like the trippiest acid trip lsd sort of animation you could ever think of oh wait um i'm gonna look at this really oh this one <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah I you guys sending yeah. me this um, a friend of mine posted this on his Facebook, mm-hmm. and like he said something like, you know, as cool as 3D animation is, it'll never be able to do something like this, which is completely true. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you were really good, maybe, but it's just not the same. Maybe, but it like defies dimensions. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, it's just like the most bizarre, awesome, colorful music video. It fits the beat of the music, and it's just, it just accentuates it in such an awesome way. Yeah. The song, The Music Scene, is off of his album of the same name, The Music Scene, which was released in 2009. Unfortunately, we obviously can't play the video here because we are a radio show. <laughs> so I encourage you guys to go on YouTube and check that out. The Music Scene by Blockhead. Yes. Let, yeah, that's definitely a, a cool music video worth checking out. For sure. Uh, let's at least listen to an audio clip of it, and you can just imagine the craziness in your head. definitely has a very uh how do i describe it southern south asian like almost indian sound to it hmm. in some respects like a sitar is in there or something i don't even know hmm. but uh it's 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 a cool it's like a mixture of that and jazz it seems like somehow that genre has like taken a hold in this or this that sound has taken a hold 
in this genre, which is kind of bizarre because you don't really associate jazz and like South Indian music, but they fit really well together. And it's kind of creepy. Hmm. Yeah, it's cool. So that was who was that again? Oh, that was Blockhead. That yeah, was Blockhead. Like uh, like the bad guys from Gumby. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah. <laughs> what was that really creepy Gumby episode where he goes to the moon or something? That is the freakiest freaking thing I've ever seen just in my life. Made that, a pure nightmare. That terrified me as a child. <laughs> Go, okay, he goes to the moon. The whole time, there's just no dialogue, and it's really quiet. And it's just like eerie space music playing in the background. So then he finally goes into space in some toy rocket ship. He's approaching the moon, which has like a scary ass looking face on it. <laughs> and then he gets trapped on the moon by himself, and he's like scared and cold. And it's. <laughs> And eventually, eventually, I think his dad, the fireman, saves him. Oh, yeah, I forgot. He is. Doesn't he, like, extend the fire ladder, like, all the way up to the moon? That's right. Man, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but, yeah, it was, Yeah, definitely. There was, a, probably... there was a lot of really scary cartoons, or at least scary episodes from cartoons of, like, of our childhood. Do you remember... You, you watched Rugrats, right? Yeah. Do you remember that one episode where, like... Tommy was having a dream, and then, like, in the dream, his parents were, like, planets or something. Or, like, I don't even know. His mom was, like, the moon, and it was, she still had her own face, and it was really creepy. Why were they planets? I don't know. I don't remember this at all. <laughs> but that's, that's what the 90s taught us. Space is really scary. <laughs> Maybe it was backlash from all, like, the Cold War and everything. Maybe. Everyone was like, hey, wait a minute, space isn't awesome, it's scary. Yeah, well, in the, I think it was like the late 80s, they had that Columbia accident. Or not, yeah, the one with the, with the teacher. Right. So maybe that was, that caused people from the 90s to be scared of space. Yeah, but I mean, Gumby was, I mean, Gumby doesn't really apply here, because those were made like... Those were made in the 90s? No, they, Nickelodeon showed Gumby in the 90s, but those were made like, in like the 50s, like those were, oh, Gumby's old. Getting off of scary things. <laughs> so yeah, pretty good stuff. Um, so what we want to talk about next is a group from Germany. They're called Jazzanova. Okay, so that group formed in 1995, and they're really known as kind of in the forefront of new jazz and chill out and jazz house styles of type of music. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a broad sense of, of these types of styles that we've been talking about. So like I said, they're, they're a DJ group, and they, were, they came out of Berlin. And their latest album, called Funk House Studio Sessions, was just released this last May in 2012, which was last year. I keep having to remember that it's not 2012. I know. I keep writing 2012 whenever I have to handwrite a date. <laughs> anyway, the song from this album, Funk House Studio Sessions, is called I Human, and that features Paul Randolph. Let's go ahead and listen to a clip of this song. Jazz Nova, as Peter said, came out of Berlin. Uh, they were one of the bands to come out of this pretty famous um, studio called Compost. I don't know if it has anything to do with like recycling, but um, yeah, a lot of the sort of new jazz that, that has evolved has come out of Germany, which is kind of odd, but mostly out of the studio Compost. There's Jazz Nova, 
Kyoto Jazz Massive, I, we'll talk about a bit later, also come out of there, even though they're from Japan. But yeah, a lot of these guys came out of Germany. It's, it, Germany and France, as we're seeing a trend here, seem to be like the two big places that a lot of this sort of electronic jazz is coming out of. Mm-hmm. And a little bit from the UK, because obviously the UK was where acid jazz originated. Speaking of, I guess, because I mentioned them, speaking of groups that come out of Germany, I wanted to talk about Kyoto Jazz Massive. They are actually a Japanese duo that is sort of new jazz, and they formed in the mid-90s, and they signed to Compost in 2002. They've done a little bit of stuff. They're actually pretty famous for um, doing remixes of, like, Jazzanova and other groups like Soul Bossa Trio, but they had their own EP that they released back in 2002 called Substream. 2001, excuse me. They released it back in 2001 called Substream. They really, they have their title track, Substream, and I wanted to play a little clip of it because it's massively jazzy, and it's just really funny to think about the fact that this came out of Japan, which, I mean, out of all places, it definitely does not seem like a place that new jazz would come from, but hmm. it is. So uh, let's listen to a little clip of Substream by Kyoto Jazz Massive. really cool sound i've never heard that before i mean i've never heard of kyoto jazz massive before yeah i just discovered them in my random searching through spotify so mm. definitely a little bit more like a funk bass sound in that song as well yeah for sure that's cool well moving right along so we have an acid jazz group called thievery corporation now they're known for like a more mild instrumental abstract type of music that's kind of somewhere between trip-hop and new jazz because we've been saying that those are two sort of different genres but they're kind of similar they have a lot of crossovers, I would say, and this is this is a group that kind of falls into both. So they formed in 1995 in Washington, D.C.'s 18th Street Lounge. Now, Rob Garza and the lounge co-owner Eric Hilton were drawn together over their mutual love of this life of, of clubs and stuff. Uh, they also really like dub, bossa nova, and jazz type of records. So, you know, with all these things in common, they really were able to bond. And then they decided to see what would come out of mixing all these together in, like, a recording studio. And... You know, as they did this, they made they basically made their own record label called 18th Street Lounge Music, which is awesome. I, I always like when people go out and make their own record label because, you know, they don't get screwed over by the big ones that already it's, exist. Exactly. And that seems to be a lot bigger of a trend nowadays with artists is like rather than being forced to sign with these massive record labels to get themselves out there, they just make their own. Mm-hmm. And it seems music has become much more entrepreneurial now. Yeah, before, which is a kind of a cool shift. It's good, yeah. It puts the music and the creativity back in the hand of the artists. Well, especially now that music has basically become an industry that makes no money because of pirating and everything. Oh my gosh, speaking of that, I saw this fun statistic. It was like an infographic I found about the profit uh, profit percentage, I suppose, that artists and producers get from different mediums of distributing their music. And like CDs, depending on the the series produced by if it was just given out by them at like a concert obviously they get all the profit but like if it was right. sold at say walmart or something they would get like 10 percent and then if their album if there's if a song was sold on like itunes the producer would get like i want to say like 30 or 30 percent and the artist would get like nine but with places like spotify because obviously people who have the non-free version of spotify they pay into it but the way spotify 
rewards artists as they reward them by the number of plays their song gets. And every oh, time yeah. their song gets one play, they get like a like a fourth of a per, of a percentage of like I don't know the profit or how do they describe it? It was like a fourth of a cent, basically, for every time their song is played, which doesn't oh, yeah. sound like a lot, but yeah, you think of how many people have Spotify, and it adds up. Well, I'm, I'm glad that they're actually pumping money back into the artists, because yeah, otherwise Spot- nobody would ever make music again. So, Well, I mean, Spot- yeah, even Spotify and these things that seem just like too good to be true kind of things, they... Mm-hmm. They still have to haggle with the artists and figure out a way to get to, for the artists to get money out of this, so they're not just yeah. licensing their music for nothing. Yeah, exactly. You know, that makes total sense. But yeah, it's pretty crazy how like the profit margin has just continually gone down and down, but because the, I guess, access to music has exploded so much through iTunes and Spotify, even though the percentage per goes down, you add that up and they still end up making a decent amount of money. Hmm. But it doesn't screw over artists completely. <laughs> That's good. So. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Getting back on track a little bit, so with uh, Thief Free Corporation, like we said, it was those two guys that kind of bonded over their love of uh, jazz records and club life. So they made their record label, and and they also made the song called Liberation Front. We're going to go ahead and listen to a clip of that so that you can kind of get a sense for this kind of mashup style that they created. Yeah, that was um, the Avery Corporation. It's very political in nature, I've noticed. Mm. And in fact, I mean, even just the titles of their songs and stuff, like Web of Deception, Culture of Fear, mm. very politically motivated, which I dig. It's mm. always nice to see that side in an uh, artist, even in like this genre. Okay, another artist that I wanted to talk about that's very heavily sort of trip-hop, and probably one of the definers of trip-hop in the modern sense, is uh, Wax Taylor. Wax Taylor is the DJ name of French guy Jean-Christophe, who came about in the French electronic scene in 2004. Uh, but he didn't end up releasing his debut album, Tales of the Forgotten Melodies, until like 2006. But this album was like a massively breakout hit for him in both France mm. and the US. Tons of awesome songs off that. I think like Que Sera, I can't think of any of right now. A lot of good mm. stuff though, so go check it out. They're like, I liked every song I found on that album. Hmm. which is rare. He recently released a new album in 2012 called Dusty Rainbow from The Dark. It's really oddly unique because throughout the album, this short story is basically spoken or narrated by this character, and the narration crops up in each song, either at the beginning or end or even in the middle of a song. But if you listen to the, the uh, tracks in order, it's, just, it's just the telling of the story. It's pretty interesting, hmm. kind of morbid. It's like a kid's story stuff. Again, uh, kid's stories being... Right? This is the third it's, time it's now, a, because you're talking it's about... It's a theme. <laughs> well, you were talking about children's songs and fairy tales being terrifying, and then we were talking about children's cartoons being really disturbing, and now here it comes again. I think I think that's just a fact of life. Children's lives are much more disturbing than adults think. But see, as a child, you don't think that's disturbing. True. But the reason I wanted to uh, talk about this new album is because one of the songs off of it features Owl Black, mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. This song, Time to Go by Wax Taylor. It's got a very awesome sort of jazzy trip-hop backbeat, but it's got Al Black singing over the whole thing. Mm. And another, one of the other songs I definitely recommend you guys go check out the music video for, because it's got this really awesome, kind of adorable stop-motion animation of this, like, crochet octopus going around 
and like making things blue. I don't know. It's mm. it's this weird interpretation of basically. I think what the interpretation of the song is is that like childhood is so fr- and innocence is so fragile, and then eventually the child has to grow up and break away from the shackles of innocence almost and discover that the world isn't as nice and big as he thought it was. Mm. But I guess they represent that through a crochet. Uh, mm octopus uh but yeah go go check out the music video because it's a lot cuter than the way i'm describing it Mm. but yeah let's listen to a little clip of time to go by waxton Yeah, you can definitely hear um, Ella Black very prominent in that song. Yeah, it's in essence, it's basically like yeah, I don't. He could easily release it as one of his own songs because it's just. I'm assuming he helped write it, but it's really cool. That's interesting that we found two different artists that he's part of. Right? Isn't that like it? Just seems so odd that he would even be that part of that genre. Yeah. Uh, but it's pretty cool. I dig it, and I dig Black Taylor. Side note. Just because I saw this on Facebook the other day, if anybody cares or if any of our listeners happen to be in the SoCal area, Rax Taylor is playing down in San Diego this January 26th, so what, like next Saturday? A week from now. Um, at this place called The Soda Bar. I don't know if it's sold out or not yet. I don't know how big the venue is. I just saw an advertisement for it, so... Well, Soda Bar doesn't sound very huge. No, it does not. <laughs> doesn't so, sound like a stadium. Judging that it's six days away, it may have sold out if it's small. If it's that small, but I don't know. I don't know. I know Wax Taylor's really popular, so just something I thought I'd mention in case any of you guys are in the area and feel like seeing a cool artist. Mm. Another artist I wanted to mention, I think the last artist in our long rambling list here, is um, Pacha <laughs> Massive. They are a sort of it's bizarre new jazz slash Latin group formed in 2005 out of the Bronx. Unlike some of the other artists in here, they, along with the sort of jazz trip-hop sound, they also infuse Latin music, which is kind of unique. Mm. But yeah, they formed in 2005, and their influence in Latin music is Cuban and Dominican, mm. and actually a little bit of reggae in there as well, which is kind of cool. Kind of that whole, I guess, Caribbean area. They're a pretty recent band, um, still kind of locally. I mean, they were played, uh, they actually got played here in Los Angeles uh, on 103.1. I don't know if anybody listens to that station there. They're like the indie version of K-Rock. Oh, okay. Uh, 106.7. Yeah, I definitely recommend listening to that station if anyone's in the L.A. area. So, yeah, they got airplay there, and they get airplay in, in New York area, but they're not massive right now, which is... <laughs> it's funny, because their name's Patch of Massive. I'm Because we, we, we're talking about Patch of Massive and also Kyoto Jazz Massive. I keep thinking of uh, Massive Attack. Oh, that would actually been a really good one to pick. They're, oh, really? Tri- they're trip-up. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for those of you that don't know, Massive Attack is really famous for their song Teardrop because it was featured in the intro to uh, that house show. Didn't even think about that. That's a shame. Yeah, guys, go check out uh, Massive Attack. Awesome stuff. So getting getting back to Patch of Massive, the song I picked to listen to is uh, their song Don't Let Go. So let's listen to a little clip of that.
that's off of their 2007 album, All Good Things. They have two albums, that and the 2009 album, If You Wanted. So, two albums, not bad. I mean, they're not huge yet, but hopefully they get huger, because I dig their sort of melding of electronic jazz and Latin. That's a, that's a genre you don't see much anymore, is Latin jazz. Because Latin jazz is a little bit more yeah. fast-paced version of jazz, you know? Well, so. with, the, with these groups that incorporate jazz, I think a fair amount of the time they incorporate kind of Latin elements as well. I suppose. Because in a way, they kind of go hand-in-hand hand to some extent. It's not unheard of in these genres to, to incorporate a little bit of Latin influence there. Uh, but it's definitely not terribly common. Yeah, and I think more than some of these artists, I think they would obviously have more of a reason to do it because like most of the guys in this are you know, Latin descent in some respect. I think mm-hmm. one of their main guys, Maya, is from Colombia. That's cool. Yeah, so I think that is the last artist we have in our rambling list of trip-hop and new jazz artists. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. A lot of good artists here. You guys should go check them out. Check out more of their songs than we just mentioned. Yeah. So again, these types of music that we've been talking about today, trip-hop and new jazz, one is kind of more hip-hop, acid jazz influence, and the other one is more electronic jazz but we hope you learned about some of the artists that are coming out of these styles. We certainly have. And the goal here is always to learn about new music and to discover new artists that you may come to know and love. That's what Funk Radio is all about. You come to love artists that we love, and then we love you too. <laughs> we should totally have, you know how like Barney has the I Love You song? We should make our own version of that. I funk you. <laughs> no! You funk me. <laughs> We're a funky family. <laughs> It's like the great big funk. And a funk from BT. <laughs> Won't you say you'll funk me too? That could be very easily misconstrued. So again, we're coming back to disturbing children's <laughs> Why is that's, that a recurring theme? That's the, sub, that's the subtopic of this episode. It's disturbing childhood things. things. Oh, gosh. So if you, if you like our show, Funk Radio, go find our page on Facebook so that you can like us and be involved in our little community that we have going on there. Yeah. You can also go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes. Also check out 8thCircuit.com. They are our producers, in a matter of speaking, because they host they host our show. And they have a lot of multimedia news, including video games and movies and all that fun stuff, so they're really cool. Yeah. Just want to mention a complete aside, having nothing to do with anything that we've ever talked about yet, just because I won't gloat, the San Francisco 49ers won the NFC tournament and are going to the Super Bowl. National Football oh, Championships. Yeah. Cool. Well, there's the AFC and the NFC. They're part of the NFC. NFC. What's the AFC? Okay, AFC, it's broken up into two halves, because I think there's like 32 teams. AFC is the is a lot of the newer teams that have uh, gotten like the last 40 years. NFC is the old teams, like the Bears and Packers and 49ers. Okay. They've been around since even before the Super Bowl. Wait, so who's who's playing in the Super Bowl, then? Uh, them. I don't know who won the other, the AFC championship, but it's them versus somebody. Oh, okay. Oh, so the AFC teams all narrowed down to one. Exactly. And then the NFC okay. was down to one, and then that's how, the, okay. that's how the playoffs were. And then they fight. Yeah, to the death. So, yeah, a little bit of California pride there, because they were basically an incredibly crappy team for, like, the last, like, 11 years, and suddenly they, with their new coach, they have just turned everything around. It's awesome. We should totally do a football-themed episode. Funkball. <laughs> we can make up a new sport. Yeah, or you toss around an afro. Shut up. <laughs> you toss around an afro, but the head's still attached. Anyway, well, thanks for listening to Funk Radio. We hope we educated you a little bit about this cool side thing of music. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. 
This has been your host, Kyle. And this has been your other host, Peter. Bye, we love you. Bye. For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8thCircuit.com.